Because I'm a mother and a grandmother, I was asked to share with you today. But let me be honest, I struggle with public speaking. But the Lord has been giving me opportunities to work through my fears lately. So here we go. Mother's Day is an anniversary for me. 26 years ago, my friend Ursi, who was the associate pastor here, invited me to the upper sanctuary on Sunday morning. At that time, we met upstairs where the Sunday school kids meet. Um, and she didn't know it because she struggled to call me for a whole week. She didn't want me to think that I was, I was just coming to hear her. She didn't, she didn't want it to sound like she just wanted me to come to hear her speak. So she really struggled with it. And she called me the night before. And I have to tell you, I would never, God had me in a place. I was ready to hear it. I was ready to receive. And I said yes, right away, which was really very unusual for me. So Jesus's timing is amazing because I was the prodigal daughter. During the altar call that morning, I heard an audible voice from God asking me to get my feet firmly planted. It was the one and only time I ever heard God's voice audibly, but I didn't really know what it meant. I had attended Catholic school in different churches under many gifted teachers. Reverend Moore and Pastor Charlie Rizzo were teachers in Maranatha in New Milford, where I asked Jesus into my heart when I was 19, 51 years ago. After I married and moved to Highland Mills, I attended prayer meetings in Mary Crest Convent every Thursday evening. I remember bringing my oldest son, Lance, who was barely walking, he's 49 now, and he would sleep on the window seat in the meeting room. It was an unusual mix of charismatic nuns and a Pentecostal young pastor who is the worship leader at our prayer meetings. I moved back to New Jersey and attended a Pentecostal church in Wyckoff where I was water baptized the second time because I was water baptized when I was an infant. And later, I attended a non-denominational church led by Malcolm Smith. We met in the auditorium of Immaculate Heart Academy for Sunday services. And that was the high school that my sister attended. But I never really allowed myself to be planted. I really didn't understand what that meant. And when the Lord said, get your feet firmly planted, he knew what I needed. There would be, metaphorically speaking, storms coming, tsunamis, floods, wind, drought. He planted me here because he knew I would be nourished by his word and sound teaching, although at times I had difficulty accepting and surrendering to him. Sometimes, I'm sorry to say, I even came kicking and screaming. I've had some rough roads to navigate through, but he always was with me, guiding me through all the highs and the lows. When Ryan, my youngest son, became a teen, shortly after I began, began attending Living Word, we had some difficulty. I sought counseling from Pastor Jim Henry, who had a pastoral counseling office. Once again, God had a plan, 
and directed me to Pastor Jim Henry, who is the founder and president of the Life Givers Network, which also impacted my life and purpose. That's another story. But Jim said, it wasn't my job to change my son or figure life out for him. That was between God and him. It was my job to figure out how to love him. And that was the best counsel. Because if hearts are to be open, it is Jesus who will open them. Sometimes I forget I'm not their savior. I can be very outspoken sometimes. But there's one savior, Jesus Christ. I love my cubs, my three children the Lord gave me. The scripture tells me they were knit in my womb and are fearfully and wonderfully made. The best thing that ever happened to me was to have kids. The worst thing that ever happened to me was to have kids. <laughs> in, the, in, the movie, in the movie City Slickers, an American Western comedy with Billy, Billy Crystal, some of you might be too young to remember it because it was released in 1991. Curly, an old cowboy, was played by Jack Plants. He said to Billy, the secret of life was one thing, just one thing. And when Billy asked, well, what was it? He said, that's what you got to find out. And he was right. The one thing for you, for me, is our relationship with Jesus, the Lord God our Father, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord has used all these years of my life, including parenting my children, to grow me. I used to pray for patience when Lance, my oldest, was a toddler. I recently discovered that the Latin word for patience means to suffer. Who knew? <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> um, in James 1, 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'm a long way from perfect and complete, which means I have to learn more patience. But it's through the difficult times that the Lord has taught me. He has navigated with me, in me, through me, and even in spite of me, and I wouldn't change a single thing except to not cause pain to others. As I was praying and asking the Lord to lead me to encourage you this morning, I was led to these scriptures. I hope they speak to your heart as they speak to mine. And um, Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, and I pray, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He's been searching my heart and leading me all these years. He has shown me the areas I needed to grow, and he will for all who ask. Matthew 7, 7 to 8, in the New Living Translation, says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. 
he's opened many doors in my life. When I had difficulty in my first marriage, I told my friend and mentor at the time, Sister Carol, oh, I should have been a nun. She said, you would have never made it. <laughs> but who would have thought that I would be standing at this pulpit and encouraging you today? The Bible is amazing. It reveals new and deeper meaning every time I study, every time I open and look up the words. In the New American Bible, Psalm 139.3 states, says, you sift through my travels and my rest. With all my ways you are familiar. I love that, sift. You sift through the travels, my travels and my rest. In gardening, a sift can remove the things that hinder growth so that the roots can expand and make the plant strong. Lord, sift away. And the travels is my way of living, my path. He's the way maker. I needed to be grounded in a church body 26 years ago. I needed to be grounded in a church body today. I need him to make a way for me. In Revelations 3, 14 to 21, and I paraphrase, he knows us. Sometimes we're lukewarm. We live independently and don't even know how much we need him. There are times when I'm blind to how poor I am. He anoints my eyes, the very eyes of my heart, with heavenly salve so that I may see. I bet you didn't know that your heart had eyes and ears. The Lord says in verse 19, as many as I love, and he loves us so very much, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Repent. The Greek word for repent metanoia means change of mind or to turn around or to face a new direction. I needed to turn around. I didn't know it 26 years ago, but I was searching for a particular door. I was listening to hear his voice. Verse 20 states, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Today, he wants you to open the door. He's already working on your heart. Lean in and hear him. So let me tell you more of the story. I have a third child, the middle one, my daughter. Do you remember what I said before? Ursi invited me to Living Word, and not only was my relationship with the Lord renewed, but my friendship with Ursi and her family was as well. Jennifer, my daughter, came home from college for her break. I told her I'd gone to church and met Ursi's children all grown up. She wanted to reconnect with them as they were friends as she was growing up. Now, young adults and 20-year-olds, they were reacquainted. Jennifer began attending a church with them and serving as a youth leader. Eventually, Jennifer married Ursi's son, Daniel, in 2002. I knew Daniel when he was cooking in his mom's womb. <laughs> Three of my seven grandchildren came from the union of Daniel and Jennifer, Jaden, Ethan and Riley, and Lance, the one I was praying to learn patience for. He's learning patience now himself with his four children, June, Phoebe, Gunner, and Penelope. My quiver is full because I also have Simone, my daughter in love, and Daniel, my son in love. 
The Lord works his plan for our lives. 26 years ago, Pastor Frank invited any who would like to become members of Living, Living Word to, his, to a meeting for membership. The Lord was leading me here at this very church because I heard God's voice so clear that morning, I knew I needed to get my feet firmly planted. I do see now what I didn't see then. It's important for us to be rooted and grounded in a body of Christ. It's important that we are accountable to each other. God means for us to be united in fellowship. This works to keep us on his path and walk in the light. Jesus talked about the wide way, but don't forget, we all come from the wide way, and it doesn't take much for us to get lost. We have a Savior who goes before us, and directs us and guides us through the power of our Holy Spirit. And I believe he's speaking to you today. Lean in and hear his voice. Be still and know that he is God. You will not be disappointed. And thank you for this opportunity. Now you're in for a treat because you'll hear from Faith, Ritter, and Sue who have accumulated wisdom and insight and a rich lifetime with the Lord. Thank you. Because Faith is so short, she's got to stand here. <laughs> you won't see her behind there. Yeah. No, I figured you would just see my head. Um, but anyway, um, hope and expectation. So today's Mother's Day, and um, some of us are mothers. Some of us want to be mothers. Some of us have children in heaven. We all have a mother maybe here or in heaven, but we still have a mother's heart. Whether we have birthed a child or not, we have a mother's heart. Psalm 39, 7 says, And now, Lord, for what do I expectantly wait? My hope, my confident expectation is in you. Mothers wait a lot. They wait to give birth. They wait for the baby to fall asleep. They wait for the baby to wake up. They wait. They wait. Um, okay. What are you waiting for? Anyone remember the rhyme that kids would recite? First comes love. We wait for that. Then comes marriage. We wait for that. Then comes, put your name here, I'll put my name. Then comes faith with the baby carriage. And we wait for that. First Samuel 1, 1 to 20 tells the depth of suffering that Hannah experienced, waiting and imploring the Lord to have a child. And then the relief when the promise was given, the pregnancy ensued and the baby was born. Hannah's name points to the woman as being merciful, prayerful, making supplication. That's what her name means. And this is the place that we meet her. I want to read this portion out of 1 Samuel. There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim named Elkanah. He was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. I almost didn't read that because, you know, it's all those words. Anyway, um, he had two wives, one named Hannah and the other named Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. This man went from his city year by year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were the Lord's priests. This was during Pesach, Passover. 
When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give to Penina, his wife, and all her sons and daughters portions of the sacrificial meat. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved Hannah, but the Lord had not given her children. This embarrassed and grieved Hannah, and her rival provoked her greatly to vex her. Penina wasn't very nice. Because the Lord had left Hannah childless, so it was year after year, whenever Hannah went up to the Lord's house, Penina provoked her, and she wept and wouldn't eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you cry, and why do you not eat? And why are you grieving? Am I not more to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose after they had eaten and drank in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his seat beside a post of the temple tent of the Lord. And Hannah was in distress of soul, praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. She vowed, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and earnestly remember and not forget your handmaid, but will give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all his life. No razor shall touch his head. She had already made a Nazarite vow for her son, which was not just going to be a month or two months, but his entire life. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli noticed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And evidently, this was very common during this time. For some reason, the women would drink a little too much wine, go to the temple, and he would know that they were drunk because they would babble. But Eli said to her, how long will you be intoxicated? Put wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. Regard not your handmaid as a wicked woman, for out of my great complaint and bitter provocation I have been speaking. Then Eli said, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Hannah said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. So she went her way and ate, and her countenance was no longer sad. The family rose early the next morning, worshipped before the Lord, and returned to their home in Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, means that they were intimate, and the Lord remembered her. Hannah became pregnant and in due time bore a son and named him Samuel, because she said, I have asked him of the Lord. Verse 19 tells us that the Lord remembered Hannah. It means to be mindful of. He hadn't forgotten. He had heard her. The Lord didn't forget Hannah's cries, her pleas for a child. He remembered her. The Lord answers her prayer just as she prayed, a male child, and she called him Samuel. Samuel is derived from two words in the Hebrew, Shema meaning to hear, El meaning almighty, referencing God. God almighty hears. Hannah and Elkanah named the child as a reminder that God, who Hannah cried out to, heard her. Hannah followed through with the promise to the Lord and brought Samuel to be reared in the temple by the prophet Eli. When Samuel was weaned, his age is not mentioned in the Bible, um, but the scholar, Bible scholars place his age somewhere between two and four years of age. She brought him to Eli in the temple. Hannah believed God and was given her petition. Fast forward a couple of thousand years. A husband and wife suffered through a difficult pregnancy with their first child. The wife had a cyst on one of her ovaries that was discovered when she was seven months pregnant. She had surgery to remove the cyst and the ovary. The intention was to remove both ovaries. It was 1948, and during that time, they just went in and took everything out. They removed the ovary with the cyst and couldn't find the other ovary and closed her up. 
Their baby girl was born two months later. The new mom and dad were told no more children, won't be able to get pregnant again. One ovary removed, the other one, well, we don't know where it is or if it's even in there. The couple wanted another child. They really did. So they set about praying and asking the Lord. Some four years later, the young mom was pregnant. The doctor said, nope, probably another tumor growing. Can't be pregnant. The mom and dad insisted they were pregnant. And they were. And when the baby was born, they named me Faith. Because they believed God and wanted me to believe him also. It took me 30 years before I came to know the Lord, to know him intimately, to declare I am yours and you are mine. Though the Lord was wooing me for many years, I didn't get it until I said yes to him. Then he started speaking to my heart. His word was loud and it was clear, and he established me, planting me firmly in his kingdom, in his heart. He gave me a love for him and for his word. I love that, Diane, you ended your portion with Psalm 4610 because this is where I'm going now. Be still and know. Be still and know what? That I am. I am God. But I love that portion in there that he says, be still and know that I am. Yes, he's a miracle worker, he's a promise keeper, and he's a light in the darkness. We sing that song, but he is so much more than that. He says, be still and know that I am the omniscient one, that I am the omnipotent one, that I am the omnipresent one. I am Elohim, God, creator, preserver, keeper of my covenant. I am Jehovah, Lord Almighty. I am Adonai, Lord, sovereign over all. I am Jehovah Jireh, I provide in Genesis 22:14. I am Jehovah Rapha, I heal in Exodus 15:26. I am Jehovah Nisi, I am your banner who brought you together under my name in Exodus 17:13 to 16. I am Jehovah Makadesh, I sanctify in Leviticus 27 to 8. I am Jehovah El Roy, I see you in Genesis 16:13. I am Jehovah Shema. I hear you in Psalm 34:17. I am the Alpha and the Omega in Revelation 1:8. I am your advocate in 1 John 2:1. I am the bread of life in John 6:35. I am your bridegroom in Matthew 9:15. I am the chief cornerstone in Psalm 118:22. I am the deliverer in 1 Thessalonians 1:10. I am the good shepherd in John 10:11. I am the great high priest in Hebrews 4:14. I am Emmanuel, Isaiah 7:14. I am the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, John 1:29. I am the light of the world in John 8:12. I am the Lion of Judah in Revelation 5. I am King of Kings, Revelation 17:14. I am Lord of all in Philippians 2:9-11. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11:25. I am your Savior in Luke 2:11. I am the door in John 10:9. I am the way in John 14, 6. I am the word in John 1, 1. And that word put on flesh in John 1, 14. I am Messiah in John 1, 41. Be still and know all that I am. So for me, love came when I was 35 and met Tom at a Bible study, Saturday night Bible study. There was Tom. Marriage came shortly after. <laughs> So love came, then marriage came, and the baby carriage that came when we had our first child, Tommy, I was 37. And when I was 42, we had Caitlin, named her Caitlin Karras, which means pure grace, because that's what I needed at 42 to nurse and take care of a baby. <laughs> and now that they're adults, I need even more grace. 
I leave you with this, Psalm 62, 5, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. What are you waiting for? Hope in and expect the Lord. Jehovah El Roy sees you. Jehovah El Shammah hears you. He will answer. In his perfect timing, he will answer. God bless you, ladies. Good morning. Okay, can you hear me? Okay. All right. So happy Mother's Day to everyone, to all the mothers. All right. So I want to share a bit about my mom, who I consider a prayer warrior. I'm not going to be able to see you. So um, I would say that the best gift a mother can give to her child or children is to be a follower of Christ. And I will add to being a prayer warrior. Um, in Luke 18, Jesus tells his disciples a story about a persistent widow and a judge who didn't fear God or respect men. The widow kept asking the judge for legal protection for her, from her adversaries. He consistently refused to help, but he was so bothered by her persistence that he just gave him and helped her. As a mom, we should follow this principle without losing heart, praying without losing heart, praying with expectation, and trust God's promises. First Thessalonians 5.17 says this, pray without season. This passage describes my mom. My mom loved to talk to Jesus about everything and absolutely anything. That's just who she is. She talks to God, who is faithful, according to 1 Corinthians 1.9. She talks to God, who is gracious and merciful, according to Psalm 86:15, She talked to God, who is love, according to John 3:16 and 1 John 4, 8. She talks to God, who is just, according to Isaiah 30, 18. She talks to God, who is holy, according to 1 Samuel 2, 2. And she talks to God, who is good, according to Mark 10, 18. Since I was little, my mom, who had a hard, hard time, has constantly been searching for something that will make her life easier and worthwhile living. I remember going to different churches like the Jehovah Witness Church, um, the Pentecostal Church, the Presbyterian Church, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is the one we end up going until I came to this country in 1983. At that time, she was very religious, to the point that it made some of my siblings and me crazy. But she was always looking for ways to change her life, be thankful to God, and making sure that her children walk in the way of the Lord. At one point, my mom and all of nine of us were walking with the Lord, although not sure how sincere we all were at that time. Eventually, that was exposed when eight of nine of her children walked away from God, including me. The good news is, out of the ninth kid, because of her prayer, six are walking with the Lord today, which is pretty awesome. At one point, um, I lost myself. Okay. At one point, my mom, I'm sorry, today she can still be highly passionate about her faith, which can again make some of her, our siblings and others run away. But 
I realized that she has been genuine about who she served and who she loved. Her desire is for all her children to experience Jesus the way that she has. So even though she at times can come off as harsh and religious, I believe that her heart is in the right place. My mom is one of the most loving people I know. She has demonstrated that love toward her children by living totally committed to live the life to committed life to her Lord and her Savior. She spent her days talking to Jesus, seeking him, and getting to know him daily. If someone will ask me to describe her, the first thing that will come out of my mouth is that she's a prayer warrior. She's daily on her knees for her children and everyone else she meets on the way. Every person she meets, she asks to her prayer, prayer book. If you want to make sure someone is praying for you daily, ask my mom to pray for you. She would definitely put you in her book. When I call at any time of the day to her on the phone, she's crying. And when I ask her, why are you crying? She says, I was praying. <laughs> my mom is becoming forgetful. So she created a system to help her pray for everyone she committed to pray for. She doesn't want to forget. So she has her daily hours set up for each group prayer in her notebook. She's 79 years old, and like I say, she's forgetting things. So her prayer for herself is that the Lord will help her to never forget him, to never forget his word, and to never forget her children. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. My mom knows these verses very well, yet she is constantly anxious about her children's eternal destination. I have a hard time, I had a hard time understanding why a mom who loved Jesus so much, as my mom does, will worry so much about her kids. But as a mom myself, I get it. I see my mom's heart for her children and those she loves as an example of God's heart. God wants all to be saved, and he grieved his heart the rebellion of his people. And this is how my mom feels, especially when it comes to her children. My mom's main prayer is that her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and all those she meets along the way to be safe. She always says that she would like to have all of her kids living close to each other, and she living in the middle of all of us. Heaven will be an answer prayer because she believes God can save all of her children. And she's right. He can my mom is an example of a prayer warrior. She talks to God as he is right there with her, which he is. I want to encourage you with this. Don't ever stop praying for your children. God is listening. Our children are not ours, but his. And who better than he, who is the one more interesting for our children's salvation than us? Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So make it a habit to speak to him. God is everywhere you go. And knowing it should prompt you to talk to him often. Know that God delights in us when we speak to him. Do not get weary knowing that he's working behind the scenes, bringing into completion what he already started. God has a purpose and a plan for our life and has given us a job to do. We are to team up with him, who has given us the privilege to be moms. He has also given us the best guide. 
his words, and an amazing way to communicate with him, prayer. And for those who are not moms, there are a lot of children running around in this church, which brings an opportunity to get to serve God by loving, encouraging, and praying for them as God called us to do. Also, as 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in the grace and knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Psalm 50.15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. John 15.7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my messages live in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Psalm 33 says, But you, O Lord, are the shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Psalm 113, 5, 7 says, Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and on the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the hatch hip. I learned more about Christianity. This is uh, two quotes. I leave you with these two things. A quote from John Wesley. I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. David Jeremiah, the simple daily influence of prayer, persuasion, and promoting of godly values are the most powerful tools a mother can use to unleash the potential of her children. Thank you. Batting cleanup. <laughs> oh, I need my glasses. So when Frank um, thought of this idea a few weeks ago, I got my usual jolt of nerves. Um, but thankfully, it's um, getting a little easier. And um, as I prepared, as I prayed about it, and I prepared the Lord it actually became exciting. Like the Lord would show up each day and give me a word. So it was a confirmation of what he wanted me to share. And it dawned on me that it was, that's much like motherhood because when I became a mom, I had zero experience with kids. And I was the youngest of four, um, didn't have too many babysitting jobs. That's, I think I had one or two and they never asked me back. So, <laughs> so I wasn't very good. I don't even remember changing a diaper. But um, it, it's so like the Lord, even with even as big of a, a responsibility as motherhood, to meet us where we're at and come to us each day when we seek his help. And he takes us by the hand, step by step. Um, we're not where we, I'm not where I am. I, I, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better than where I was. And... He, he just puts all the pieces together. I felt very ill-equipped with little experience, but God heard my prayer, and he, he changes me as he grows our kids. We're growing alongside with them. He changes us, he equips us, he meets us right where we're at in the everyday, the everyday stuff of life, the big stuff, the little stuff. He works in us despite our flaws and our weaknesses. So I picked a kind of an unlikely verse for today from Mother's Day. It's from 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says, oh, what happened to my thing? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So those two words in there, might become, tell me it's a process. It's a process every single day that he's working in us, he's changing us, he's refining us, he's chipping away stuff, he's putting in all the good stuff that we need to help us to be good mothers, right? It's a process. I think most of us believe God has a plan. We, we believe that. We believe he's a big God. He's able. He has a plan. But do we trust the process? It's a day-by-day surrendering, getting close to him, trusting the process of what he's doing in us, what he's doing in our kids. Sometimes we don't see what he's doing, but we have to trust him. Um, he has shown his faithfulness to me as a mom, to us as a family, um, in ways beyond what I could describe. Um, I'm just kind of veer off here a little bit. I, when, um, years, years, years ago, uh, Diane mentioned when we were worshiping upstairs, um, an associate pastor who's now a pastor of a vineyard church, he had asked me to share a testimony. And I know I let him down because my testimony was lame. It really, like, I really didn't have this dramatic conversion like Frank did. I didn't have, I, I wasn't delivered from drug addiction. I, I just didn't have this dramatic conversion. But I've, I have to say my Catholic upbringing did a really good job of building a foundation of knowing God's existence. But there's a huge difference between knowing his existence and knowing his presence every day. In the every, my, knowing his existence kept him far off. So it kind of enabled me to sin and do things and thinking, ah, well, he's not really paying attention to little old me. But knowing his presence, this is my testimony today. I can stand here and say, I know his presence. He has shown his faithfulness. He has taken me on a journey. He's taken my kids on a journey. And it's been a beautiful one. It's been such a beautiful journey. So when my kids were little, um, you know, the three of them, they'd be at the park and they're playing and I'm whispering under my breath, oh Lord, you know, please don't let them fall. Don't let them hurt themselves. And then we'd be in the car on the way home and they're fighting and I'm like, Lord, please don't let me kill them. You know? <laughs> okay. I'm being honest. Okay. And then, okay, so here we go. Here comes the teenage years. And it's, uh, okay, Lord, I don't know where they are. There's no cell phone. They're not, or if they had cell phones, they're not picking them up. So it's like, oh, Lord, please don't let them do anything stupid. Don't let them hurt themselves. And, okay, finally, I'm sure it was Rachel who came home late. She's usually the one that would come home very late. But then it would be, my prayer would be, oh, Lord, please don't let me kill them. You know, again, you know, different, different stages of life, different problems, but he takes us there. He helps us through, through, helps us to deal with him and be a good parent, despite of ourselves. So when I, Romans 13, 14 tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, that's a daily, as I put on my clothes, I put on my makeup, hopefully put on deodorant, then I also have to make sure I carve out time for the Lord. It is vital. I, with Diane and I were saying it's a, my lifeline. It's a lifeline to your day. Um, the very first, next verse after the one I read goes, this is now becomes chapter six. It says, we then, 
as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. So how beautiful is that? He hears us. He helps us. He gives us his grace. And we need to use that grace that he gives us, right? And pour it out into the lives of our kids, into the lives of our our spouses. Because he's so faithful to help us and, and take us through what we need to go through as mothers. He offers us help. He gives us grace in every stage of life. And we have that guarantee of the spirit's help. It gives us, we all have at least one spiritual gift. I know many of you have way more. So I'm going to keep it short. Do we have a picture up there I can show? Uh, Mike? It's coming. Hmm. (laughs) I threw him a curve. I think I forgot to remind him. So I'll tell you the story of this picture while they're looking for it. This is a picture of my son Frank getting baptized in our pool. Um, Frankie, I think, was about 10 or 12, so we're going back 18 years. I have kept a version of this picture in my Bible, actually in two Bibles. I have this one that I bring to church and my one at home. I wish you could see this because it's just a beautiful picture of Frank's face. (laughs) All right, so anyway. All right, so the reason I keep this picture in my Bible is not for the reason you might think. Yes, it's a wonderful moment. What mother wouldn't be proud? What father wouldn't be proud when their son is getting baptized and is just telling the world of his faith in Jesus? And it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful moment. But I keep it in my Bible as a reminder because you see the night before the baptism, Frank Sr. and I had a a big argument, a big argument. And because I can't even remember what it was about tells me it was something stupid because I, I feel like we, you know, we remember the big stuff, the important stuff, and there are, there are important things that we need to fight over, but I'm sure this wasn't nothing important. It was something stupid. And I keep it in my Bible as a reminder of how our enemy works in our homes and what more could be, what is more important than our children's walk with the Lord and their faith and their relationship and how he can get into our home and distract us and distort us. And I mean, I did, the baptism was at my house. So I had, I would have gone anyway, but I was there. And I, but I remember being angry and having a bad attitude. But when I, it, it was a beautiful moment. And all that, all those feelings went completely out the window. And it, it was just, it was just a beautiful moment. And I keep that as a reminder not to get distracted by the stupid stuff of life, right? And to keep a focus on what the Lord is doing um, in our kids' lives. I'm so proud of my, my, my three kids now. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really proud of them. They are parents themselves now. They're all parents themselves. 
they're doing the best they can. Well, Frankie's kind of new at this, but I know he's doing the best he can. He never changed any diapers either, so <laughs> I'm sure he's changing diapers. And um, just like I knew where my help came from. My help came from the Lord, Psalm 121, right? Psalm 121, the creator of heaven and earth. And I think the greatest gift for me as a mom is seeing that my kids know where their help comes from, right? They pray for their kids and they know where their strength comes from. So experience gives you a little more confidence. I have, I have a testimony. I have a testimony and a confidence I can stand here today and tell you of God's faithfulness and, and how he works in, our, in the lives of our kids. And, and um, it's a beautiful thing. And I guess they weren't able to find this picture. But Frank's face is absolutely priceless. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of Frank's face. And dare I say, he kind of looks like I pictured Jesus when he would hug us and put his loving arms around us. It's just a, a beautiful picture. So I thank you all. I hope you were blessed today. It was, um, I hope you all feel blessed and that these words encourage you that God's got your kids. He's got them, right? He will work all things out and just trust, trust the process and keep praying for him. Right, Ritter? Team up. Where are you? I know you said team up. You got to team up with the Lord. Thank you. So you guys still trying to get the photo up there or what? They were so close. I, they were like, oh, we got, we got it. We found it. There it is. So that's why I was walking really slow. I was trying to, I don't know. We can stand. I tell you what, if we don't uh, have it while we're singing this song, we'll make sure it's up after. How's that? You can see it afterwards. I have to say that was a blessing. Thank you, women. Let's give them a round of thank you. <clears throat> Such, such uh, powerful words, right, from the Word of God, from their hearts, and uh, it's neat to hear different perspectives from different moms, isn't it? So thank you, Lord, for leading in that. There it is. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> As we sing this closing song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. It is God's grace. Everything you've heard just up to this point has been what the Lord has done in His grace and His mercy, right? So the altars are open for you. If you'd like to come up and pray with somebody or pray alone, um, please take advantage of this time as we're singing this song and let the Lord search your heart. Seek Him. 
He's always seeking you. Seek after him. Be forever. 
will be will be You are forever mine, Lord. You are forever. My chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set Thank you, ladies, for, your, for the blessing of the Word of God over us today. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Go with us, Lord God. Just bless all the moms, Lord, the moms-to-be. And on this day, Lord God, may your grace, your mercy, your love embrace them all. Their children, their grandchildren, their husbands, Lord God, may your blessing be upon us. May we just enjoy the day in Jesus. Amen.